Proverbs, and we'll be reading chapter one, verses one through seven. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Uh, let me begin today's message by recounting a story uh, from our honeymoon. So, when Rebecca and I got married, uh, we went to Greece uh, for our honeymoon. So we actually spent most of our time in Santorini, which is like the beautiful, serene island. Uh, if you've never been, uh, it's, at least for me, it's one of the best places I've ever been to. But we actually ended up spending like the last two days of our trip in Greece in Athens, right? Because the airport is there, it's the capital, and at all the historic monuments, right? But actually, if, you've, if you go to Athens, the city itself is really dirty, and to use, like, relevant language, it's actually really sus, right? In fact, right, our taxi driver told us to go back to our hotel before the sun goes down because it could get dangerous. You know, so me and Rebecca, we're enjoying our self-tour through the city. You know, we're checking out, you know, all these historic sites, the Pantheon, the museums, and we're shopping for gifts. And before we realize it, right, it hit 7 p.m., right, and the streets started to get, like, real dark. And I kid you not, right, I felt like as we were walking, the shadows were starting to cast over us as we are walking on the streets. So in my paranoia, right, I told Rebecca, yeah, we got to go. We got to go back. Right, and I looked at my Google Maps, which told us that we were 20-minute walking distance from the hotel. So we chanced it, right? And we let Google take the wheel. And we entrusted Google Maps with our lives. And so the walk seemed okay, right? And we were hitting major streets with a lot of people, a lot of lights, a lot of cars, until we took this one turn. And as we're walking down this alleyway, right, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> this alley's really dark, right? And I don't know why these people are walking like zombies. And I don't know why that guy is laid out on the ground for some reason. And then it hit me, right? We got into like a drug alley, right? Everywhere we saw, people were just using, right? And they were just walking like zombies and mummies all around. And I was like, Oh, heck no. We got to go, right? Let's, let's dip ASAP, right? So I started to walk faster. And I mean, luckily, I'm here now. Rebecca's here now. So we managed to escape, right? But the point of the story, right, and why I say it is Google Maps failed us. Google Maps failed us. You see, it knew the fastest way, but it didn't account for what kinds of dangerous streets it was going to lead us through. We have no idea. We're first-timers in Athens, in a foreign country. How are we going to know? In a similar way, the Bible talks about life as taking paths. You know, whether it's the path of righteousness, the path of unrighteousness, the path of justice or the path of injustice, the path of light or the path of darkness, or the path of life or the path of destruction. But how do we know where to go? How do we know which road to take? Well, like what I needed to navigate through the foreign city of Athens, you know, but unlike my faulty Google Maps, 
We need sound, trustworthy navigation to direct our steps, to direct our paths in life. And today's passage teaches us that wisdom, wisdom is the way that God navigates us through this world as his people. Simply put, we all need wisdom. Every single one of us here needs wisdom. It's the compass, it's the navigation that directs our path to living a flourishing, God-honoring, God-glorifying life. So God, through his word this morning, calls us to pursue godly wisdom by humbly submitting ourselves to him who is truly wise. Let me say that one more time. God calls us to pursue godly wisdom by humbly submitting ourselves to him who is truly wise. And I wanna flesh this out in three points. Number one, beginning of wisdom. Number two, living in wisdom. Number three, trusting in the wisdom of God. So number one, beginning of wisdom. So the book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom sayings from different authors like King Solomon today, right? And, and a lot of it's written like how a father would speak to a son, giving him like life advice and guidance on how to navigate through this life. And this is essentially what God is doing with, with us through this book, right? It is his desire as our heavenly father to teach his children how to live this life well for his sake, to honor him. And our passage this morning serves as the introduction to the book of Proverbs, giving us a preview of what the rest of the book will teach us. And we see that right off the bat in verse 2, one of the main purposes of this book is to what? To know wisdom and instruction. In other words, this book serves as an entryway. It serves as a door into the, uh, the wisdom of God, into godly wisdom. But the question that we should be asking ourselves is, what exactly is wisdom? What does it mean to be wise? And verse 7 not only answers this question, right, but it also sets the foundation for the entire book of Proverbs, the entire, you know, uh, concept of godly wisdom. And it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the first thing that it tells us, right, is that there is no wisdom. There is no godly wisdom without the fear of the Lord. And I think when we think about fear, right, we think of like terror, we think about dread, we think about like someone chasing after us, right? We, we kind of tend to see God as a judge. And there is a place for all of that in scripture, but actually fear in this context is more like approaching God in humble reverence as the king, being in all of him as the one who created all things, who knows all things, who designed all things, and who sustains all things from the universe down to the hairs on our head. So to know anything in the truest sense, to know anything, we have to go to the master. We have to go to the designer, the architect, the ruler who creates and governs it all. So then in light of this reality, right, knowledge is understanding the world, right, what we see around us and ourselves in light of what the creator himself has revealed to us through his word. So if that's knowledge, wisdom is applying that knowledge that God has given to our everyday lives. One of my seminary professors put it like this. It's a, he said this, wisdom is skillfulness in living according to the masterful creator's ways. Let me say that one more time. Wisdom is skillfulness in living according to the masterful 
creator's ways. So our daughter Danielle is at a fun age, you know, at a year and a half. She's interactive. She's a lot more aware than, than she was before, but she's not dangerous enough yet, right? She can't run. She can't quite open doors yet, and she can't really reach for things yet. But even then, right, we have to lay down some ground rules for her, okay? For example, in our household, anything resembling fire, heat, smoke, or whatever is atitu, okay? Meaning hot, hot, atitu, a.k.a. don't touch it because it's dangerous. So now wherever she goes, right, for the most part, when she sees something like resembling fire, heat, or smoke, she'll be like, she'll look at me and she'll be like, atitu, atitu, right? And she won't dare touch it because she knows, she knows what we have told her. Right? Same thing with trash can. It's Gigi, dirty, Gigi, right? Same thing with throwing things. Don't throw things because it's ayah. It hurts, right? And we also teach her how to pray, right, to instill a sense of gratitude in her. We say kido, right? And she puts her hand together, and we, when we end, we say amen, and she's like, apa, right? <laughs> so we as her parents communicate and set these guidelines for her so that she can, what? She can thrive and grow well and healthy. So in a similar way, right, God's desire as our Heavenly Father is for us to grow in wisdom so that what we can flourish as His children, to navigate through this broken world and to live our lives well in the way that He has designed, in the ways that He has created, He has purposed. So apart from knowing God and what He tells us, right, what He desires of us, his will for our lives, there is no way that we can be wise. We cannot be wise apart from knowing God. So what does this mean? This means that we have to submit to God by submitting to his word, right? If we don't know what he said, how do you know what to do? If you don't know his instruction, if you don't know his teaching, how do you know how to live? As a matter of fact, Proverbs 2 tells us to search for wisdom like treasure, like gold, like silver, We are to seek it. We are to long for it. We are to desire it, right? We are to seek the guidance and the instruction of the Lord. And yet, what do we do? Many of us don't. Many of us don't seek out the wisdom of God. We find ourselves easily influenced by and submitting ourselves to the wisdom of this world, being molded and shaped by its foolish and oftentimes godless ways. You know, whether it's the postmodern belief of you can define your own truth, right? You, have, you, you are your own authority, and no one can tell you what you can or cannot do. Or this is a popular one, right? Success in life is defined by how much you have in a bank account, how high you've climbed up in the corporate ladder, or even cut negative and toxic people out of your life. Surround yourself only with people that bring you positivity, if you've heard that before. You see, if we don't have a proper foundation in the fear of the Lord, we will have a hard time sniffing out the falsehoods, the half-truths, and the lies of this world, the wisdom of this world, which actually is foolishness to God. And before we know it, we will be led astray, and we will walk down dangerous paths that distance us from the Lord. So let me ask you this morning, whose authority do you submit to in your life? Is it the authority of God and what he has to say? Or is it the authority of the world and what the culture has to say? Let me ask it this way. Who or what do you look to for guidance and direction in navigating through life? 
You see, God is calling us as his children to seek him and to seek his ways because he knows what's good as he is our father who has our best interests in mind. So you see, the fear of the Lord is not only the beginning of wisdom, not only the foundation, but it, it allows us to continually live in wisdom in our everyday lives. And this brings us to our second point. Number two, living in wisdom. So going back to our passage, Proverbs 1 shows us just how relevant wisdom is for our lives. Right? Look at this. Verse 3 refers to wisdom as to receive instruction in wise dealing, meaning wisdom is practical. We need wisdom to discern everyday situations, everyday happenings and events, and how to handle them in a God-honoring, God-glorifying way. Verse 3 also refers to wisdom as righteousness, justice, and equity, meaning wisdom also has to do with morality, right? And according to the book of Proverbs, actually, a wise person is also a moral, ethical person. They know the right things to do in life. And lastly, verse 5 tells us, let the wise hear and increase in learning, meaning wisdom is also intellectual, right? As we're to continue learning, continue to increase in our knowledge of God and for our thoughts to more and more be like Christ. In other words, wisdom is applicable to all aspects of who we are, right? All, all areas of life. It not only shapes who we are in our hearts and minds to become more Christ-like in our character, in our knowledge, but also shapes how we live. It is intensely relevant and practical AKA, we need wisdom all day, every day, for the rest of our lives. It's not something that you, that is one and done, but we will need it for the rest of our lives. Because as you all know, there are lots of decisions and choices to make in life, aren't there? You know, how to handle finances, manage good, bad relationships, navigating through a godless, confused culture, you know, figuring out our careers, getting married, or raising children, and handling our sinful temptations and vices, like the podcast episode that will be released tomorrow, will be the pastoral staff will be talking about, you know, lust and the sin of pornography and things like that. So stay tuned for that as well. But so on and so forth. There's so many things that we have to make decisions and take action on. And we don't have the time to cover all topics in this short sermon. But here's the important part. But the basic principle for living in godly wisdom is that we must we have to consider how God speaks to a given situation and how God would be best honored through the choices and decisions that we make and the actions that we take, right? Living in wisdom is an intensely and fundamentally a God-centered approach to living life. We should be asking ourselves, what would God have me do? For example, in Proverbs and the book of James, which is like the New Testament wisdom literature, there's so many passages talking about our use of speech, right? It, it says that a wise person is one who guards his tongue, lips, and mouth, whichever words that it, it kind of interchangeably uses. A wise person is one who guards his tongue and uses it carefully. Because you see, God knows that words are powerful, and then our tendency is to use them carelessly to discourage, to break down, to sow seeds of discord. Right? and gossip causing relational tensions and disunity within friends, within family, and even in the church context. So understanding this truth and reality, right, living in godly wisdom in this area 
is for us to pause and consider whether what we're about to say or what we are about to talk about right, honors the Lord and edifies others. You see, wisdom teaches us to use our tongue in a weighty manner, not to cheapen it, not to say whatever we want, but to think through what we're about to say and whether it would honor God. And not just, you know, in the realm of speech, but in life in general, the more we become aware of what God desires from us and how we can honor him, and the more we practice this God-centered approach, right, of understanding how God speaks to us and how he would be honored, wisdom becomes the way that we live disciplined, self-controlled, and sensible lives before God and others. You see, wisdom becomes this filter that we process life through, and we start to see more clearly what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, what is healthy or unhealthy, helpful or unhelpful, God-honoring or self-serving. And a lot of times, it might lead us to make decisions that go against our fleshly desires and our need for comfort. But wisdom guards us from compromising our faith and traveling down dangerous roads. It builds our character. And I really had to learn this through my rocky relationship with my step stepdad. You know, given the history of his mistreatment and him being the reason why my family suffered, everything in me despised him. And for a long time throughout my high school and college life, uh, I became hardened in my heart, and I grew in bitterness and resentment toward him. You know, and I could have easily chosen not to do anything with him, ignore him for the rest of my life, and go down this dangerous path of staying bitter, becoming more hardened, becoming more resentful. But once I came to know the Lord by his grace, I was more freed and compelled to forgive and honor my stepdad who lived a lonely, isolated, alcoholic life with no God in his life. But here's my dilemma, right? God calls me to love. God calls me to forgive. But how do I show grace and love to a man who not only is difficult, but also has wronged me, hurt me in the past? And unfortunately, it wasn't as easy as I thought because during my attempts to, you know, get closer to him, his brash, ignorant, and angry personality and demeanor would rub me the wrong way and I would just get angry, right? It would be counterproductive, right? Because I would just be upset and I would just, you know, be triggered to feel bitter, and, and, and angry once again toward him. So over the course of 10 years, right, I prayed on and off, obviously, for my stepdad. And as I grew in my faith, in my wisdom, and I, as I matured as a Christian, I learned that honoring my stepdad didn't mean naively trying to become buddy buddies with him, trying to become best friends with him, because that wasn't going to happen, right? Nor would that be healthy for either of us. But rather, I figured out the means of communication and relationship that worked for us. Okay. I would text him periodically to check up on him, to see how he's doing. Right? I would make intentional visits with Rebecca to see him and my mom in Chicago. And we would also send him presents during you know, special occasions like his birthday or you know, Father's Day. And my mom would tell us, like, the little things that you do brings him visible joy. And it also ended up softening my own heart him, and it freed me from the bitterness and anger that I had felt when I was younger. And yet, right, given his difficult personality, I still have to keep a certain amount of distance to give him space and also to protect now my own family. I had to learn to be loving yet discerning. 
Right? Wisdom taught me how to love someone who was difficult without recklessly sacrificing myself and my family. It gave me a balanced approach to life. So in a similar way, right, all of us, all of us need godly wisdom to live in such a way that honors the Lord without being naive about this world and sin, and yet not being cynical about what the Lord can do. But like my own experience, godly wisdom isn't something that we're expected to have down perfectly at this moment. Right? Godly wisdom is not something that shines down on you and you are enlightened like from zero to 100. No. Be encouraged to know that living in godly wisdom is a continual process that makes us more and more like God, right? More and more reflecting his character, more and more becoming God-centered over time. As we seek the Lord, you know, as we go to his word, as we pray, as we throw ourselves upon him to ask for help, we organically grow in godly wisdom through our experiences, through our attempts to apply the knowledge of God to our everyday lives, right? And through our trials and through our errors, we gain wisdom. See, our navigational map is constantly being updated and is constantly being enhanced. So I want to ask you this morning, are you living wisely in this season of your life? You know, what are some situations and areas in your life that require wisdom that you perhaps, you know, may have glossed over? Do you have a God-centered approach to making decisions and choices in life? And lastly, have you been growing in wisdom and discernment as you journey in your Christian life? I hope that we can all say yes and amen. But even if not, I pray that the Lord would give us a greater desire to pursue living in wisdom as we learn to trust in his wisdom. And this brings us to our last point. Number three, trusting in the ways of God, in the, in the wisdom of God. So at the beginning of the message, we looked at verse seven, right? And it said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But what does the second part say? The second part says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, there's a direct contrast set between those who are wise and those who are fools. And this theme is followed throughout the book of Proverbs. But who exactly are the fools that this passage is talking about? You know, given the context of the message, uh, the passage, being a fool isn't talking about someone who's dumb, right? Someone who is slow, or they don't have the smarts or the intellect. But if wise ones are those who submit to the wisdom of God, fools are those who despise, or better yet, reject the wisdom and the ways of God. In other words, fools are those who reject God himself. It is those who refuse to seek the Lord, trusting to, uh, choosing to trust in their own wisdom, in their own ways of doing things, constantly being shaped by what others say around them, constantly being shaped by the ever-changing wisdom of the world. As Ephesians 4.14 says, being tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful scheme. You see, fools have no foundation or even the desire to look to God for his wisdom. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it's describing you, it's describing me in our natural state. You see, we were the fools who didn't care to seek God. We're the ones who scoffed, who ignored his divine wisdom, thinking that God's ways, God's laws are too restraining. Right? Thinking our ways would give us the freedom that we need, 
when in fact they enslaved us to our sinful desires all the more. You see, we were the fools who followed the faulty navigation of our foolishness that was leading us straight down the paths of destruction. But God, right? But God in his mercy took the initiative to redeem us from our foolishness by giving us his son, Jesus, the incarnate wisdom of God who revealed the knowledge of the one true God to our darkened, dead hearts so that now we can know God, we can desire God, we can receive the truth of God. You see, Jesus took our spot on the path of destruction by going to the cross for our foolish rejection of God so that we can now be reconciled to God. And now our path is corrected from the path of destruction to the path of wisdom that now leads to life. So if you have any inkling or semblance of godly wisdom in your life, you know, be humble to know that it's not because of you. It's because of God's grace in your life. And even now, through the Spirit, God is teaching us and shaping us to live in the way that he wants us to live as his sons and daughters, day by day, moment by moment, working in us to make us wiser and more godly, more like himself. So as we consider the wisdom of God as our as not only our creator, but also our redeemer, I pray that we would trust in his wisdom. We will learn to trust in his ways and that we would take a God-centered approach to life as a church and as individuals. See what God has to say in his word. Consider how he would be honored through your words, through your actions, and live out his wisdom by faith, understanding that he has your best interest in mind. And one of the fundamental ways that we place our trust in the Lord is by praying for wisdom. See, whatever the situation may be, ask for God's wisdom. Ask for his guidance. Ask for his advice. Ask for his discernment so that you can make sensible, godly choices in life. Also, wisdom is best cultivated in the context of community which means please seek wise counsel. Do you have wise friends? Wise, godly friends? Do you have wise, godly mentors? See, I'm a firm believer that everyone needs wise mentors so you can be sharpened, right? So that you can be challenged. So please seek them out. Even in our church, no one is perfect but we do have wise older brothers and sisters who have much godly life wisdom to impart, to give. And for the rest of us, right, I hope that we can all aspire to be that wise man, the wise woman of God, who desire to impart wisdom to the younger generation. So let's spur each other on as a church to pursue godly wisdom. And may the Lord grow us to be a church filled with wise men and women of God, learning to navigate through life in such a way that helps us flourish as his people and to help others flourish and bring God the honor and the glory that he deserves. Let's pray.